From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the actual message. Father God, we, uh, I'm thankful, Lord, for this church. I'm thank you, thankful for Parkway. I'm thankful for the people God, in the house today and online, Lord, there's a reason we're, we're part of this service today. And I just pray, Father God, that you would, you would soften our hearts. We are very quick to harden our hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord, to one another, to others around us. And I pray, God, that in a, in a time where people are becoming more and more divided because of opinions and beliefs, Lord, I pray that we would be a, a beacon of light. We would be a lighthouse. God, we'd be a place of hope and of love. Lord, and as Paul talks about, God, we would not just be clanging gongs or cymbals, Lord, but we would have love in all that we do. And we would be united on Christ and Christ Jesus, and that is the rock in which we will stand. So help us, Lord, to navigate these, uh, these waters ahead of us and around us right now. Help us to remember that our allegiance and our citizenship is in heaven. God, we love our country. We pray for our country. We pray for our province. And we pray for what's going on. But Lord, I pray that more, most importantly that the church would recognize that it is the church. We need to stand together. In Jesus' name. So as we turn your attention to our word, your word this morning, God, speak to us and give us, uh, give, us, give us some clarity on what it means to follow you in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, are we awake and live with me? Good. So uh, let me tell you a story. I grew up in a, a large church, and uh, in this church, we often had drama product productions that were very large-scale drama, drama productions. And in any of the, the plays or the drama or the production, whatever you want to call it, the word you want to use, the buzzword, any of them that were set in the time of Jesus, always, as far as I can remember, always had live sheep, always had live sheep. Without fail. We knew a farmer somewhere that had sheep, and they, I think he just brought them to church for fun. I don't know. But there was live sheep. And what we would do, because if you don't know anything about sheep, is sheep are a little skittish, and they can spook easily, is they would bring the sheep in early, like months in advance, and they'd set up a little home for it in the courtyard of the church so that as we were, um, as we were going into rehearse and practice, as we could, we could meet the sheep and you know, the, the, the guests of honor, we could spend time with the sheep so that the sheep would become more comfortable with us as a cast and wouldn't do something on the stage when it shouldn't do it, right? It, it would be more comfortable with us around. And, and on this particular uh, um, production, I was one of the lead cast members. And so every practice, I had to go into the courtyard and had to make my way over to these sheep and get as close as I possibly could and eventually, you know, build some sort of rapport and relationship with these sheep. One of them ended up dying. There was two sheep. It wasn't me. I don't know what happened, but... Um, but the other sheep, you know, maybe it was my inner Dr. Doolittle, but it just took a liking to me. I like to think I was a little bit of a shepherd. And I remember in, the, in the, one of the nights of the play, the story was of the innkeeper in the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, and I was the innkeeper, but this sheep, something spooked it, and it starts going off. 
Like it's bond when it should and it's making noise and it's making ruckus. And I'm like not at the point where I am now where I'm comfortable on a stage in front of people. Like I'm like kind of nervous. I'm trying to hide being like, like it's, it's nerve wracking for me to be up there. And here I am having to ad ad lib my way over to this sheep and, and calm this sheep down in the middle of the production and comfort it and, and make it feel comfortable so it would stop as the play went on. And I like to think I did a bang up job because not only did that sheep calm down, but I didn't lose my parts one bit. And I felt a little bit, I felt a little bit like a shepherd. I felt, it's the closest I'll actually come to being a shepherd was that moment. And I just got to thinking about sheep because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep literally cannot survive without a shepherd. A shepherd was someone who would give their life to take care of the sheep, except for maybe, I guess, the one that died in there. I don't know what happened there. Where was the shepherd? Just kidding. A shepherd lived with and they spent their days to the well-being of the sheep. And you and I are in need of a shepherd. We are sheep in need of a shepherd. And without a shepherd, we're like the sheep who are helpless and vulnerable to pray and we're apt to make poor decisions. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, it said that he had compassion on them for they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so I want to look at a psalm today in our series, coming to an end of it, that speaks to God as our shepherd, but specifically draw your attention to what God does as a shepherd and what we unknowingly do as sheep. And this uh, part of this, uh, the thoughts I'm going to share this morning was presented to me by a pastor named Louis Giglio um, years ago, and it stuck with me. And lately, last few weeks, I find myself being drawn back to it. And so I want to share I want to share some of it with you. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalms 23. You'll remember it as the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm of David, you have a Bible, go ahead, take it out. You got it on your phone, take it out. You can take out your phone in church, it's okay. As long as it's the Bible or you're texting somebody that you love them and that Jesus loves them too. Psalms 23, uh, this is a Psalm of David, probably the most famous Psalm in the world. Right, this is the one that, that we're, you know, when you think of Psalms 23, I think of like religious Hallmark cards. You know, there we go. Someone's playing it for us there. If you're watching online, you can't hear that. Um, I think of, I don't know if you had this in your house growing up, or maybe you were the one that made this, but remember those like stitched pictures? I don't know what you call them. I don't even know what the name is for them, but they're like, they're, a cross stitch, is that what's called cross stitch? A cross stitch picture. And it had like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it was kind of on, was, I felt like I had one in my home. It was like my mom put it up or something. Maybe you have one of those in your home. We often think of those things when we think of this psalm. We think of the cliche. But this morning, I don't want us to think of the cliche. I don't want us to think, oh yeah, I know that psalm. I want us to look at the power actually behind this psalm because there's a lot of power in this psalm for us today. So I'm gonna read it, Psalms 23. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. This is David writing this, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. 
So surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Charles Spurgeon once once remarked this. He says, when men speak of what they do know and from the depths of their souls testify to what they've seen, they speak with what we call eloquence for true eloquence is speaking from the soul. And that was David here. David was, was writing this as a shepherd, about a shepherd. He, he spoke of what he knew all his life. He, he knew the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he knew everything that meant. He knew everything that entails. And that's really big perspective for us to hold on to when we're looking at this. He knew the sacrifice. He knew the time. He knew the energy. He knew the devotion. David, as a shepherd, gave his life for his sheep. He, that, that a shepherd lived with and provided for and guided and protected his sheep because he was a shepherd. He's not, he's not writing this as you and I write this. He's not saying the Lord is my shepherd as we would. He's saying this, know what a shepherd does. And he's also saying this, knowing what sheep are like. Sheep are dumb animals. They can't see good. They don't have good balance. They're not incredibly fast. They make bad decisions. They get stuck easily. I saw a video lately circulating the interwebs. That's what I call it, the interwebs. And it was of a sheep that got stuck in this little narrow ditch. And someone pulled the sheep out by its leg. They literally pulled the sheep out. And the moment it dropped down, it like... It like shot away, right? Because it was scared. Galloped like three steps and fell back into the ditch. I thought about showing it, but I was like, nah, we don't got time for that. I'll just talk about it instead. They wander off their easy prey to predators and sheep need help. So when David is saying the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying this as someone who knows what a shepherd does, but also knowing what sheep are like. He's saying, I'm like a sheep and I need a shepherd. I need guidance and I need protection and I need direction. I, I need some help. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's giving us an invitation, I think. And this is an invitation that we can see all throughout scripture if you're mindful and if you look for it. And it's the invitation of the father who says, I wanna be your shepherd. The father this morning, I believe the invitation from God for us this morning is from God for him to be our shepherd. I would like to be your shepherd. Would you like me to lead you, protect you, and feed you, and provide for you. This isn't just a cliche that's on the cross stitch, on the Hallmark card. This is something we live by. Sheep don't make the right decisions all the time. If a sheep was thirsty, it would, it would go up, find some water, which sounds intelligent enough, but it would come to rushing water often. Water that was, that was running fierce and it would still dip its head in, but because it's, it's usually a little heavier because the wool, it'd get, fall in and get carried away by the rushing water. And so a shepherd would come along and a shepherd had a staff and on the end of that staff was this nice little hook, right? Called the shepherd's hook. And it would reach in, it would grab the sheep by the neck and it yanked the sheep over and it would pull it up out of the water. On Tuesday night, we had our uh, prayer and praise uh, group and Dale Myers was sharing the story of when he was a uh, when he was a kid when he was younger. He and his family were by this rushing river that had a waterfall at the end, and his parents at the time did what all parents do. They said, "Don't get too close to the water, right? Don't get too close to the water. Don't." 
don't know how many times I gotta repeat things to my kid, kids. It's usually by the time my voice gets to certain octaves. Don't get too close to the water. Well, what did Dale do? Dale got too close to the water and he fell in and he found himself being carried downstream by this rushing water. You know, you and I, we sometimes make the wrong decisions and find ourselves being carried downstream. And maybe that wrong decision is, is drawing us away from truth. We're being carried away by these thoughts and ideologies. Maybe it's drawing us away from Jesus. Maybe this decision is drawing us away from the faith community. Maybe we've, we've made a choice and it's put us on the wrong path. Maybe we're being carried away by patterns of thinking and pseudo-truths and false narratives. Now, I've been thinking often lately, and I wrote this down because I think it's important. I've been thinking often lately, I think I've repeated a few times the last couple of weeks, of Paul when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, yet so many of us are prone to conform. I think of when he said to young Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, he says, there's coming a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but listen to what suits their own desires and listen to those who say what their itching ears want to hear. So Dale was being carried down this stream to the rushing, to the waterfall on, on the end. But his dad ran over. He grabs him out of the water. And he says, I got you, son. I got you. If we don't have a shepherd, we don't have anyone to yank us out of the water. If we're not walking with the shepherd, we don't have the one to pull us away from danger. We can step into waters and we can be carried away before we know it. Because as sheep, we don't make the right decisions all the time. And you know, I know in times like this, I was thinking that a lot of us are probably thinking in agreement with this. Yeah, totally. And we agree that we don't make the right decisions and people don't make the right decisions, but we're quick to point out someone else's decision. We're very quick to point the finger at someone else calling them sheep for their choices. Doll sheep. Don't you know you're being carried away in rushing waters? And that same sheep is looking at us saying, dull sheep, don't you know you're being carried away by rushing waters? Can I just let us in on a secret? We're all dull sheep. And we all make wrong decisions. And we all get carried away by rushing waters. And that's why we're called sheep and he's called the shepherd. If God is your shepherd, you have someone, when you abide in him and you remain in him, you have someone who will lead you beside quiet waters, and green pastures. David knew he needed a shepherd. He knew he needed the shepherd to lead him to places where he could be nourished and his thirst can be quenched and he would be refreshed. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he can rightly say, I lack nothing. Can anybody say that this morning? Online, can you say that? Can anybody say that this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So I thought maybe that somebody needs to be reminded this morning that God wants to be your shepherd again. He wants to lead you to places to refresh your soul. He wants to lead you down the right paths because life is crazy right now. And God sees that and he knows that and guess what? It doesn't impact the promise. God is not like, oh, shoot. Didn't see that one coming. 
Got to go get the bigger stuff. The promise still stands. I want to be your shepherd because it's in the darkest valleys I want to lead you. It's in the presence of your enemies I want to help you. It's in those places I want to lead you besides still waters and green pastures to nourish your soul. He wants to lead us down the right path. And that's what the Lord does. He leads us down the right path of righteousness. He wants us to become more and more like Christ. He doesn't want you to become more and more like Justin Trudeau or O'Toole or whomever, Bernier. He wants you to become more and more like Jesus. That's what the Father does. That's what the shepherd does. He leads us down paths of righteousness, and he promises to do it for his own namesake. That's what he stamped his name on this. He didn't stamp anything else on this. He's like, I'm going to do this for my namesake. It's for your good. You need to be nourished. You need to be refreshed. You need to be filled. You need to be made whole. It's for your good, but it's for my glory. It's for my namesake. It's so more people hear about me. It's so my kingdom spreads. He does it for your good, but he does it for his glory. He attaches his name to it. He says, I do this for my namesake. Because when you identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is on you. So where you go and how you act and the decisions you make matter. The streams you go drink out of matter because his name is attached. So he leads you beside still waters and green pastures for his name's sake because he doesn't want his name to be tainted or tarnished by the poor decisions you're making. Because if his sheep are just getting carried down a rushing water all the time, what are the other shepherds going to think? What are the other sheep and the other pastures going to think? Oh my goodness, you see that shepherd? All those sheep are always being carried away. And that, that field becomes a laughing stock. So he does this for his name's sake. And guess what? Sometimes he makes us do it. He says, I make them lie down in green pastures. That's what David says. He doesn't say he, he gives me the option. See, there's no options when you're, following, when you're following Christ. It's the way of Christ. It's not kind of the way of Christ, but kind of the way you want to do it. I want to drink out of here, but I also want to drink out of here. He's like, no, 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 this is the way. This is it. There's one way. This is it. You want to fall? Great. Get in water. I mean, you, if you're on here, this is what you're doing. We're going to lie. To, you're going to eat from this. You're going to, you're going to drink from this. Because this is the way we do it. This is, this, it's like what I do with my kids. But, but the other kids are doing that. That's fantastic. I don't care. Because you're Patterson. And this is what Pattersons do. It's my last name, in case you didn't know. This is what we do. This is what we eat. This is how we hang out. This is what time we go to bed. Because we're not one of those. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not one of those. We're one of these. He makes me lie down in green pastures and quiet waters to refresh my soul. And he wants to refresh us this morning. It's for, his good, it's for your good. It's for his glory. So David continues. He says this. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this is, this is pretty loaded. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations, you'll, you'll probably have this maybe in yours, or you'll remember, it says the valleys of the shadow of death. It's not, it's not, it doesn't say somewhat dark valleys, somewhat difficult times. The darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. The shadows of death, I will fear not, no evil. Not like kind of close, but kind of far. You know, because I can't lead you when it gets really dark. 
David can say, do you know what? Even though I'm in the darkest place right now, I will fear no evil. I can be still. I can be comforted and confident. I can be at peace. I won't fear any evil because I have a shepherd. Do you know what I see right now, church? I see so much fear. There is so much fear. There's fear of a virus. There's fear of a vaccine. There's fear of man. There's fear of government. There's fear everywhere. And we've allowed it to infect the church. We've allowed it to infect the people of God. We're walking through dark valleys and we're being overcome by fear. And let me tell you, this fear is not of God. This is a spirit in the unseen realm that infects your inner being. It is a virus that spreads through your mind, heart, and soul. What's the message of God? It's fear not. What does he say in Isaiah? He says, do not fear for I am with you. I'm not saying we can't use wisdom. I'm not saying we can't use sound mind. But fear not. David says, even though I walk through the darkest of valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I got a shepherd. I got a shepherd. So I lack nothing. I'll be led to those green pastures and still waters and my, pl- my soul will be nourished. Why? Because I have a shepherd and he has a rod and he has a staff. And the staff was used to, to poke and to prod and to, to guide and to lead and to hook them out of danger, right? It was, to, it was the leading tool. It was the, you're, you're going too far, hook you in, you know, I got to poke you, keep going that way. But the rod, that was for protection. That was for the predator, That is what the shepherd would use to fight off the bear and the lion. And if you read the stories of David, he talks about this. He talks about times when he would literally go after, which is nuts to me, he would go after a lion, grab it by the mane, it would turn at him, he would would hit it, and he'd kill it. I'd be throwing the lion some sheep. I'd be like, okay, here's a couple more. I'm going to run this way, get as much sheep as I can. Let's, you're, you're a lame one. Okay, you can go, you know. You, let's, that's what, but that's not what David does. That's not what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects his flock. And we have a God who is our shepherd. And we have a God who fights for us. And we have a God who stands with us. We need to remember that if God is for us, what? No one can stand against us. That, that's what that means, church. That means government, vaccine, virus, name it. You, whatever you want to throw in there, your opinion, put it in the junk drawer. We'll throw anything. Doesn't matter what power. Doesn't matter what power comes against the church. Because if he is for us, no one can be against us. Is he our shepherd? Then I can walk through the darkest valley and fear no evil. Come on. So if you find yourself in fear, what does that mean? Maybe we haven't spent enough time near the shepherd. Maybe we've wandered a little too far and we start focusing on our, our problems and the predators that exist in the valley and we start seeing how dark it is and we start thinking about what could occur if the lion or the tiger or the bear, oh my, get us. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're walking in fear, you need You need to be filled with the perfect love, which means you need to go get with the Father and with the shepherd and be nourished and be filled. And you keep going there and you keep getting nourished and you keep getting filled in his presence until there's no more fear. 
We should only have one fear, and that is fear of God. Fear of the one who can do harm to the body and the soul. That's what the Bible says. Not just the body. Fear the one who can not only kill your body, but can condemn you to hell. That's a scary thought, but thankfully he's a God of love and of grace and gives himself on the cross so that that doesn't have to happen. Fear not. Then David says this, and this is why I want to land. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So Louis Giglio makes the statement. He says, maybe it would sound better if, if David wrote, you prepare a table before me in your presence away from my enemies. Doesn't that sound a little bit more like the Bible should be written that way? You prepare a table before me in your presence away from everything. That's not, what, that's not what's written. I prepare a table before you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, of the community of God, a safe place, in the presence of your enemies. Who is my enemy? Who is the enemy? It's the trouble you didn't ask for. It's the situation you didn't plan on. It's the problems you weren't looking for. It's the interruptions you didn't see. It's the pressure, the stress, the criticism. It's when someone's sticking you in the back. It's when someone called you with the diagnosis. It's when they gave you the bad news you didn't want to hear. But here's something worth receiving. God knows that we live in a broken world that's been impacted by, by sinfulness. And he doesn't promise to take us out of this world. But what he does promise is that even though this is where we are and this is what we're going through, he says, I'm going to sit down with you. and We're going to have a meal together. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to anoint your head with oil. And it's possible that in the presence of your enemies, your cup will still overflow. You can feel full and nourished and your soul can be lifted in the presence of your enemies. You can feel complete and whole and at peace and confident in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of all the things that were going on around in the world and in your life, in your situation, in your family, in your job. The Father says, I've got a table for you and me to sit down. Even though you walk through the valleys the shadows of death, even though you walk through the darkest valley. Does anybody feel like they're there? Anybody? Anybody feeling a little outnumbered? And darkness? So what does it mean when he prepares a table? He's saying that I've prepared a place for us to pause and to meet and to talk and to share. A place for us to feel relaxed for our soul to feel refreshed, and for us to be filled. When you think of a meal table, you think of a place where you hang your hat and you nourish your body and you relax in company, right? That you can sit down and kind of just, ooh, and eat and, and feel, you know, nourished and ready to go. Well, God is saying, I've got a place prepared for you and I to do that in life. It's in my presence. So imagine God came and he said, come, I got, a, I got a table. Made it just for you. Come sit down. Come sit down. I know, I know lots going on right now, but just come sit down. And then he pulls up a table next to you and he sits down with you and, and he just looks and he says, so how's, how's it going? How are you doing? Like, that's what God does. If you sit in his presence, that's what he does. 
You sit down, and he sits down. He says, I've got something that's going to feed your soul. But you know what we do? We're too busy. So we look at that table, and we go, whoa, that's nice. That sounds really good. I like when the pastor talked about that because I really need that. Oh, yeah, your presence sounds awesome. Prayer is what I need right now. Mm. Tomorrow? Can we do this tomorrow? Because I got, I got a plan. I got stuff to do today. I'm just so tired from work. You know, I'm, 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 I really need this. But, but tomorrow night, can I take a rain check? Can I take a rain check, God? I'm going to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's always tomorrow, right? Ah, tomorrow. I got more time tomorrow. I'm gonna, in the morning, do you know what, Lord? We won't even have dinner. We're going to have breakfast together. Before breakfast, I'm going to get up early. You know, I'm going to take a break at lunch and my car ride, and that's when we're going to meet together. You and me are going to meet. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn on some worship music. That's when we're going to have it because I really need this. This sounds awesome. I'm a little busy right now. We're a little, a little busy. We're prone to do that, right? No wonder we are overcome with fear. No wonder we are overcome with the interruption and the situation and the problem. Because we're, we're walking through life and we're walking through dark valleys and God says, I've got a place for us to meet right now so that you can be nourished and you can make it through this, but we're not willing to sit down and spend time with them. And then we're like, well, Lord, how come I'm facing all this stuff? This is so hard. And he's like, There's, there's the Mandarin buffet before you and you're not even taking a bite and I've already paid the bill. You don't have to worry about it because it's really expensive. But I've paid the bill. Sit down. But this, this is really hard, this stuff. I know. That's why I've prepared a place for you in the presence of your enemies because you can't make it all the way through without being nourished. Oh, I'm really busy. Like, if I was God, which I'm not, <laughs> I'd be like, gone. <laughs> like, hello. He wants to anoint us with the Spirit and overflow our cup and our soul and our inner selves in the midst of all that we're going through. He wants us to be able to approach our trouble and our interruption, the bad news and the fear with confidence and assurance that our position is secure in him. We just need to sit down and be present with him. We just need to sit down and be present in his presence. Now, a little bit more complicated than that it's how quickly the enemy can get there. And this is what Louis Giglio shared, and this is what I've been kind of being drawn back to the last little, little bit. Is you can be sitting at the table. You can be walking and journeying. Let me just make this simple for it. For you can be in a relationship with God, and you can be in prayer, and you can be in the word. You can do those things. You can be feeling like you are, are sitting down with God and having time in his presence and being nourished, and being, and being over, overflowed, and the enemy just pulls up a chair. And, and he doesn't come like the enemies of life come. He doesn't come like the interruption, or the problem, or the bad news, or the diagnosis. He comes a little bit more cunning, and a little bit more calm, a little bit more validating. Actually, some of the stuff I think the enemy says sounds really caring, sounds caring, and sounds selfless, because he sits down at the table, 
And he goes, hey, what's up? How's it going? You doing okay? How's things at home? She's still acting like that? Girl, I don't know how you do that. If I were you, I'd be gone. You don't deserve that. How's work? How's work? Are they still treating you like that? Should let them have it. That's what I've been doing. Come on. You deserve way better than that. He knows the game. But the game he's playing is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's looking to devour. He's not, he's not dumb. He's been around for generations and thousands of years. He knows how people work. Like sometimes we, I think in the past, we've, we've painted this picture of like the Hollywood devil that he comes along and he's like, Ugh, drunkenness and parties. And we're like, I'm going to stay away from that. That's not how he comes. You know what he says? He says, stay away from that. That's bad for you. So what's she doing to you again? Oh, Your kid did what? Oh, do you know what? Spare the rod, spoil the child. And he uses scripture. Like he's smart. And he's going to sell you on something that's going to cause you to doubt the character of God. And he's going to remind you something of your past. And he's going to get you off track. It's going to make you anxious. He's going to stir up some bitterness. He's going to make you stingy and selfish. And he's going to make you think everybody else is being stingy and selfish. Tries to get at your table. And here's what I bet. I bet for most of us that he's already at our table. That we've given him a chair. So how do you know he's at the table? I mean, Matt, you can come on up here. You know that the enemy's at the table because the lies you've begun to believe. Let me give you some examples. Number one, the lie is it's better at another table. You know, it'd be just better if you just left your family. Things would be so much easier. If you leave this place, it's way better over there. It's easier over there. If you didn't have this, this job right now, this role, it'd be so much easier. It'd be so much easier if you guys weren't together. It's easier over there. It's better at another table. And if you're hearing that lie, the enemy is sitting at your table. Number two, you're not good enough. You're not good enough for this. You just don't have the ability. You don't have what it takes. You don't come from the right family. It's not in your DNA. You're just not spiritual enough. You failed too many times. You'll never get any better at this. Just give up. You're not good enough for this. And if you're hearing that, the enemy's sitting at your table. Number three, you're not going to make it. You're just not going to make it through this season. It's too hard. It's too hard. You're not going to make it through this situation. This pressure, uh-uh, it's too much. Too much for you. Yeah, someone else can handle it, but you can't. You're not going to make it. And if you're hearing that, the enemy's sitting at your table. Number four, if only everyone else would get their act together. This is the finger pointing one. Things would be a lot better if they would just, 
Things would be great if she would just start. We would all be out of this if those people would. You know, in the, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, do you know what they did when he first came looking? They started pointing the finger at someone else. Adam's like, well, the woman made me do it. And the woman's like, Eve is like, well, this, the snake made me do it. If you're hearing that lie, the enemy's sitting at your table. Number five, there's no way out. There's no way out of this one. Mm, you're screwed. There's no hope. Might as well just give up now. Throw in the towel. There's no way out. If you're hearing that, the enemy's sitting at your table. Lastly, everybody's against me. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. It's me against the world. The enemy's at your table. How do I know the enemy's at my table? When I've heard those lies and I start to repeat them back. So maybe I'm sitting down with some family and they say, so what's happening? You know what? It would just be better if I was not here. It would be a lot better if I was over there. You're repeating the lie. I don't know. I'm just not good enough for this. God didn't say that. God didn't say that to you. That wasn't his meal. That's not what he prepared for you. That's not the green pastures he led you to. I'm not going to make it. You didn't get that from God. When you're sitting at a table and you ask God what's happening, he's not saying it's better at another table. You sit down for the meal in the presence of the enemies of life. You're ready to meet with God. And he's like, you're just not good enough. That's not what he says. That's not his voice. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to make it. Give up now. That's not the shepherd. That's the lie of the enemy. And you've believed those lies when you start repeating them back. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. There's no way out of this. There's no hope for me. I might as well give up. And if you're hearing those things, you've been conversing with the enemy. You've been talking with the father of lies. You've been sitting at a table thinking you're talking with Jesus, but you're talking with the devil. Isn't that a scary thought? Pastor, don't say that. I was in prayer. Well, you believed the lie. You believed the lie. This is what God says. He says, no, you're going to make it. I've given you the ability and this table, this meeting place is for you and you're going to get through the dark valley because I'm here to nurse you. I'm here to feed you. I'm here to lead you and we're going to make it to the other side. That's the voice of the shepherd. That's the voice of the shepherd. But when you start believing the enemy's lies, do you know what he starts doing? Once you start repeating them back, he starts validating those lies. So he wants to reinforce the idea. He starts saying, you're totally right. Where'd you get that from? It would be better over there. And all of a sudden you take ownership for it. Yeah, I'm sorry you're not feeling good enough. And the enemy sounds really caring, right? Sounds like the good girlfriend that just gives you what you want to hear in, the, in your moment. And you start feeling like he's the only one that understands, but guess what? He's, he's there to take you out. 
He's there to take you out. That's his goal. That's his end game. When the father, the good shepherd is saying, come to me and be refreshed. I want to be your shepherd. I want to anoint you. I want, to, I want your cup to overflow. Ephesians, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, do not give the, the devil a foothold. We're not even giving him a foothold. We're giving him the whole door. We give him the door frame. We give him the deed to the house. Not even a foothold. Don't give him room. And if he's there, you need to wage war on those lies. So let me tell you how to do that really quick. Paul says this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now I could just pause there and preach a sermon. Because how many of us are trying to wage war right now against everything we're seeing the way the world wages war? But we don't wage war the way the world does. It says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against not your opinion, but the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. And we need to take, take captive those lies. We need to make them obedient and we need to kick the enemy out of the table. But we don't fight the lies by fighting them directly. We fight the lies by replacing them with truth. Very simple. Three steps. Number one, what lie are you hearing? Identify the lie. What is the lie? I'm not good enough. It's better over there. If everybody would just do this, you identify. What am I hearing and what am I believing right now? Number two, Identify the truth, which means you got to sit at the table and you got to open up the word of God and you got to search for the truth. Don't Google the truth. That's like trying to cheat on a, on a paper. Sit with the Father and have him speak to your soul. God, what is the truth I need to receive right now? That's going to take you sitting down in your busy life in the presence of your enemies with the Father to be nourished. Identify the lie. Identify the truth. Once you got the truth, then you replace the lie with the truth. So if your lie is, do you know what? I'm just not gonna make it. And the truth of God says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I replace that lie with that truth. I say, this is what I'm hearing, but this is what the word of God says. So that's what I'm gonna eat. That's what I'm gonna digest. That's what I'm gonna live on. Because we have a shepherd who's given us an invitation who says, I wanna be your shepherd. I wanna guide you. I wanna lead you. I wanna, I wanna take you to still waters and green pastures. I want to nourish and refresh your soul. And even though you walk through dark valleys right now, I've prepared a place for us to sit and be nourished. It's a stop along the way in the valley. We're going to make it to the other side because I want to nourish you. I got a rod to protect you. I got a staff to lead you. Just come and be with me. It's the invitation. Is the Lord his shepherd? Like, like some of us identify that he is, but is he actually? And so it's, we sit in a pew or we watch online, you tuned in today, fantastic. But that does not mean he's your shepherd. Well, I said the prayer, fantastic. That prayer isn't in the Bible. There's no prayer in the Bible that says, let's lead you through the Sanders prayer and then everything's hunky-dory. It's about discipleship and following the way of Christ, being near the shepherd. If I'm a sheep and I've wandered off the, off the pasture and I've wandered to different fields, I'm not near the protection of the shepherd. Sounds really hard, Pastor. Life is hard. We need a good shepherd 
It's gonna lead us and guide us. We need to submit to him. Even when he yanks us out of the stream and we're like, oh, that hurt my neck. Jesus, did you really have to do that? Because we think that it's all hunky-dory, but yeah, do you know what? When you're feeling the force coming back the other way, it's probably because you've wandered a little too far. When when he's yanking you. I can't imagine that's not comfortable for sheep. Why did you pull me out of that water? Because you were going to die. Have you given a seat to the spiritual enemy? Here's what I want us to do as we close. I want you to stand up. We're actually going to sing a song. I know you're ready to go, but we need to sit in the presence of the Father because if you cannot sit in the presence of the Father in a church meeting where we gather, then we are not able to sit in the presence outside of these walls. So why don't we stand up? I've asked Matt to lead us in a song. And just allow the Spirit of God to, to nourish you. Open up your mind, open up your heart. Be refreshed. And if you have received a lie, take captive that lie right now. Listen to the truth of Jesus as he speaks right now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.